And welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most important, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing. The Natural, directed by Barry Levinson, Bull Durham by Ron Shelton, Field of Dreams by Phil Allen Robinson, The Rookie by John Lee Hancock, and finally, newly released The Hill, directed by Jeff Celentano. It's going to be a great baseball-themed show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Daily, how we doing, buddy? How's it going, Tom? Uh, it's going okay on my end. How was your baseball In week? In the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, welcome back. We took a week off last week. Yes, yes. Folks, if you uh, are really craving to hear Blue Beetle uh, and, uh, you know, hear me uh, probably shit on a, a movie that is mostly harmless, I, I don't know. Last week, it was just, it was not happening for me. Uh, Blue Beetle was just, I don't know, it was, it wasn't that I didn't want to watch movies that week. It was Blue Beetle specifically that I was like, <laughs> I, I don't think I have anything unique or valuable yeah. to say. Almost or... shut the LLC down last week. <laughs> Thanks to Blue Beetle. Crisis mode. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it, folks, I have a growing list of probably catch-up work that will be able to populate some of these weeks that... Movies are being pushed uh, right, right. that we need we need coverage for, and uh, if you're really craving that, write in, donate in, whatever you prefer, uh, and I'll, I'll give the old Blue Beetle a shot. <laughs> so. no, I don't think anyone was missing it, you know? Yeah, Maybe yeah. people were missing us, but certainly not Blue Beetle. Right, right. And we decided, we were kind of playing around with the baseball idea a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. The problem is, yeah, there's a lot. There's way more baseball movies than I thought. <laughs> way way more. more. Early on, you did a great, uh, a great justice to the idea because it, um, you cut out the kid-themed baseball movies. Uh, you cut out the Angels in the Outfield. Yep. Sandlot. Right. And there's one Big other one. Big movies, I think. but equally can go towards a secondary baseball week or a, a you know, I mean, I'm looking, the, the yeah. sequel. After looking at the movie, we could literally have an entire other baseball episode because <laughs> yeah, yeah. 61 is a popular or 61 asterisks with its actual oh, okay, name. Okay, okay, is very popular. It's like came out in 2001. All right, and then we have a person. My personal faves, major leagues, mm, one mm-hmm. and two. My yep. personal faves. And I think there's a third Kevin Costner one. Oh, really? Yeah, he goes on a tear after Bull Durham. It's ridiculous. Uh, which is weird, because Bull Durham's a super, super weird movie. Uh, it's not well, really I mean, a baseball movie. I know, and then <laughs> yeah. the year after, he did Field of Dreams. Yep, and I swear yep. I swear he did a third baseball movie as well. I think the same year of Field of Dreams, uh, but, uh, but yeah. Eight, well, 88 and then 89. Yep, yep. Yeah. And then I think there's one in 89 as well, a second one. What a psychopath. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, out of the small matchup of Costner versus Quaid, I'm I'm on Costner's Yeah, because side. Quaid also has two yeah, yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, and then so many of the 80s. Like Major League uh, was in the 80s yeah. as well. We didn't even get to that one. I think Angels yeah. in the Outfield might have been early 90s. Yeah. But 80s was a big baseball year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One in the 70s, which was that, that was on my proto list that okay. I sent to you, I believe. Or maybe it wasn't even on there. Was Bad News Bears the original mm, one? Okay, okay. I th- think that was seventies. Interesting. Yeah, I was kind of curious. Oh, by the way, kids' baseball movie. Oh, okay. So that goes on the kids' list. Yeah. Then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Little League. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what What I was curious about through this is that you see kind of an explosion of these movies uh, in the eighties. Uh, yeah. I do you maybe because uh, again, folks, I am a sports dummy. <laughs> So, do you know in the 80s, was the MLB giving a push? I feel like a theme in a lot of these movies as well is that baseball is being beaten out by football and other sports. So, was this, uh, you know, a push? I wouldn't be surprised, maybe. Like, we can go in deep and then look at the stuff. It could just be that the natural in 84 Mm -hmm. was kind of a big baseball hit. Sure. So, then they were like, let's just keep this going. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it was something like that. The idea of baseball movies were really, it really took off. You know how it is. It's like, you know, Deadliest Catch comes out. It's a hit. So, then we get (laughs) Wicked Tuna and we get this fishing show and this fishing show. I love that that's a a flawless comparison (laughs) and deeper, a deeper cut than you know, folks. (laughs) Our connections with that least guy. Gold Rush comes out, and then we get the white water, and then we get this other one. You know, it's all just, it's, you know. It's all, it's all trends. So basically, but yeah, 80s were big. Yeah. It really shot off. There's there's some baseball beforehand, baseball films beforehand, but mm-hmm. there's just more than I thought. You, there was 42 on your list. Yes. Uh, we, I, I like Chadwick Boseman, and obviously, rest in peace. Uh, I was excited so. when 42 came out. Yeah. And then I watched it, and then I was like, no, this doesn't no. have any right being... I wish it was better. I, <laughs> yeah. If you're going to tell the story of Jackie Robinson, sure, it should be sure. better. Yeah. I remember one guy, the movie ends with Jackie Robinson, or, or close to the end, Jackie uh-huh. Robinson hits a great ball. He gets, I think he gets, it's like a home run or something sure, like sure. that. And there's literally one guy in the theater, and he's taking it way too seriously. No. And he's going... Yeah! <laughs> no! <laughs> I got it. It's just like, okay, I'm oh, I gotta get out of here. Guy, easy guy. But anyway, we have the natural Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, The Rookie, The Hill. We know, folks, we're missing a lot, but we're gonna just have to yeah, do it. Yeah, listen, one. future baseball weeks, uh, <laughs> you know, believe it or not, only our new release pulls from real players. I thought it was interesting that we have kind of all fiction stories, uh, except for The Hill. And the rookie, right? Uh, no, uh, I think the rookie was based on a real story. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. Still <laughs> <laughs> goes out the window. Dun, 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 no. All right. So we'll have to uh, do a baseball two, and then we'll have to do a little league episode as well. So two more baseballs come yeah. up. But I do think this is all old man baseball. That's the theme this week because it's all. Uh, all of these are just like, hey, old timer, get off the field. Right. I've got a dream. This is my yeah. what I always wanted to do. Right. And by the way, so if people aren't the reason why we're doing this, mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone's heard of the Hill. It's a new movie that just came. out. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it. I don't think anyone did. It's a new movie that came out this week called The Hill. There's two soft movies that no one's paying attention much much paying attention to. The Hill, for sure, and then Golda, which apparently is bad, but it does have what's-her-face in it. Uh, Helen um, Mirren. Which I'm sure will garner her her 79th Oscar (laughs) nomination or something. Nice. 
Um, <laughs> nice. But yeah, with but, us covering Gran Turismo early and some shifts, we were originally going to carry uh, do an F. Gary Gray movie that was coming out on Netflix. That got pushed to the stratosphere. Yeah. Uh, so uh, here we are uh, with The Hill and Baseball Week. But <laughs> if anything, just to drive the point home, <laughs> last week, Blue Beat, I was just so sapped of energy of like, oh, it's just another superhero. Yeah. I'm not a baseball fan. This week, I had such enjoyment out of diving into something new and being like, all right, let's call some heads or tails on what's a good baseball movie. At least start, know? because, yeah. Exactly. I mean, well, you, then you'll really have, you'll be this quintessential, you will be the guy we actually come to for baseball, <laughs> for movies, baseball movies after we do our two other movies, two other shows. <laughs> uh, but let's get right into it right away. We're going back to 1984. This is The Natural. I watched this film, so it'll be good to have okay. back and forth. All right, good. Okay, and then this is directed by Barry Levinson. It has big names in it. It's Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, Glenn Close is in it, uh, which is pretty cool. So... Let's get into it right away. The Natural, Vin. Let's set it up a little bit, and how'd you like it? Uh, well, The Natural, it feels like an Oscar bait movie, for one. This is also a four-time Oscar nominee, uh, but never a win there. So always the bridesmaid, but never the bride, folks. This comes as one of the earliest films in our director's career. Uh, Barry Livingston is a director that lost some steam in the later half of his career, but has some amazing films under his belt, most notably 1986. Seven's Good Morning Vietnam, a must-watch on the website. Yeah. So, as someone I was excited to see the film craft in, and I gotta say, The Natural's a good-looking film, uh, and fits into, uh, if anything, an Oscar bait before, I don't know if that term was even floating around in 84. Right. So, The Natural comes from the 1952 novel of the same name. Roy Hobbs is a fictional baseball player played by Robert Redford, uh, and tells you a classic underdog, underdog story of uh, uh, the team going from hating him to loving him. Roy is a baseball prodigy, but he's sidetracked 16 years until he returns to the field. Uh, until he returns to the field, quite shockingly sidetracked as well. I don't even want to give a slight spoiler. Yeah, it's within the. 15 minutes, but I'll tell you this, and I was telling also our, our buddy producer, Sean, I was uh, getting up to maybe like start cooking something while this all went on, and this, this again, this sidetrack happened. I was like, whoa, I, I sat my ass right back down. So it's, it's, got, a, it's got a good start uh, to kind of keep your attention. After that 16 years, though, he is a regular old-timer uh, in baseball terms. Uh, he has to fight his way back to even have a slight chance at playing a real game, but it's all in the title, folks. The kid's natural and quickly his talents skyrocket him into the fame he once deserved and that's really our setup here for the natural um what do you think about the the romance because i i thought it was a little bit too much romance focus i thought well i don't know where would you have cut it i, I felt like i mean maybe some scenes went on a little bit too long mm. it's two hours and 18 minutes it's the one thing i thought the scenes went a little bit long mm, yeah, yeah so maybe with the female protagonists and everything like that sure you can cut it a little bit, mm -hmm. but he had a build. A rela relationship needed to be built there. Okay. And his, his kind of hometown. Yeah, we needed know. to feel the importance from it, I think, personally. Sure, sure. Uh, and and I, I think maybe my expectation, especially for this first film, but then also reflecting back on the, le on the week, I was very sensitive to how much percentage of the film is actually about baseball. And we see that fly all over the place across these five Yeah, films. did you think it was a lot? I think it one? wasn't enough baseball. Um, okay, all right. Which, uh, especially with how good uh, those scenes feel, uh, feel when he's 
in the groove. Uh, the team's rallying behind them. Yeah. There's a cool scene where they start wearing like this lightning bolt patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that type of stuff really enjoyed. Uh, and I wish there was just more of. Um, as we get uh, into involved in this romance, uh, we see a young Glenn Close uh, in that I've really only known an old Glenn Close. So, uh, she doesn't age too much. Yeah, she's she the, same. the same. She, yeah. the, which it's great right. for her. Yeah, sure. But when she's trying to play a teenager, yeah. she just looks like old Glenn Close. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, good old Glenn has been nominated eight times for Oscars and never won. I mean, talk about always the bridesmaid. But uh, she plays the hometown sweetheart. Uh, in a repeat trope in a lot of these films, and I don't think it's particularly used too well here. When she does show up to the game, Roy just starts playing better and and gets you know predictable fast. The plot gets very predictable. I yeah. thought there was also a weird theme of, um, I don't know, uh, luck uh, on Roy's side. His baseball is made from a tree that was struck by lightning. And uh, something that I really enjoyed watching all these films is that you have a spiritualism connected to the game. Mm. Uh, baseball is, there's a lot of winning streaks, don't jinx me, uh, praying to God, you know, uh, spiritualism in general. And uh, it's actually one thing that I really loved about Field of Dreams specifically. Okay, But when it comes down to this, I, I feel like it's not really earned in this film too much. Uh, he First third, he has this magic bat. When the magic bat doesn't really do it for him anymore, Glenn Close comes in and this like romance is like he's able to turn it on. Yeah, it's a little bit too, a little bit too simple. Yeah, yeah. You would like a little bit more real suspense. Yeah, I exactly. never felt suspense. It's funny that you enjoyed the baseball moments. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I didn't love the baseball moments. Oh, really? Which okay. kind of surprised me. One, Robert Redford wasn't selling it for me. <laughs> no, I, he was I, not. I, I think he gets like <laughs> he needed to be kicked in the ass a little bit. Like, what are you I, doing? I, I could give him a B minus almost yeah. on a performance. I give him a B minus. <laughs> But him as just the baseball player, I just thought, yeah, he could have, man, they could have had someone come up from AAA and be on set for a few days or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe they did, but it just, I don't know, it didn't work. And then something I think missing a little bit too much was the camaraderie among the team members, Mm. among the players themselves. I don't think we got that very well. Mm. So we have relationships off the field he has to manage. Mm -hmm. Then he has to manage the game, which is very solitary in this film for him. And you don't get that communal thing. Again, I'm a big fan of the major leagues, Mm. and that is so team-oriented. In fact, we're like, you actually know a lot of the players' names. I can't really name you one player's name. Oh, no, not at all. That's Other a great than point. him. Yeah, that's you know? a great point. So I just felt like that itself took away from the baseball element. I act- Time on field, I wasn't crazy upset with. Mm-hmm. It's the time off the field, but still with the players. Mm. I think there could have been more heart or more connection there. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and that, if anything, that kind of ties into what I'm talking about, that the romance strips away from that. You know, I wanted more baseball. Yes. Um, so. But at the same time, he's got some, there's multiple relationships that they need to mm. work out with this guy you know what i mean and you <laughs> he ha- also has to tell what's up in these last 16 years oh, that he's been mia oh, like he keeps it too close Mama to the chest the word <laughs> <laughs> like to the point that redford's not acting at some points like what's gonna be yeah i was a little disappointed too on a big reveal that we didn't really get right. but there's that kind of stuff now when he's off the field uh dealing with bad people yep. dealing with whoever was the bad guy in the scene because mm-hmm. there's a few sure sure i was a fan 
Yeah, yeah. You know, that I liked. I like the bad guys a lot, and it's something that we, for one reason or another, don't really get in any of these peer films. Um, I would say setting this in the early days of baseball is good, is, is a win for the film. Uh, it invites in interesting drama like crime, fixing games, betting. I mean, just to run down, Darren McGavin, Robert Duvall, and Robert Protsky are all great, are all really excellent here uh, because of the different tension that they add. Yeah. I feel like it was almost like three bad guys versus... Yeah. One. Yeah, it was nice. Um, which is which is interesting. I think the only misstep here is not connecting them to his backstory more. Uh, for so much of the film, we are left wondering about this 16-year gap, and while new threats are layered on, it's layered on an unresolved plot point, which... I was, I don't know, maybe that was that was my fault as a viewer, expecting that, oh, these guys are going to be tied in some way. Rob Duvall's character is slightly tied into uh, Roy yeah. Hawk's past, yeah. but to, to, to have these new building elements and leave something unresolved to the very end, I felt it was just kind of unsatisfying for such yes. a, yeah. a big moment in the film. Again, I, I sat right down. I was, <laughs> it got my attention. <laughs> you so. for a while. On. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, wait, waiting for <laughs> waiting for Redford to give me no, uh, give me nothing for the entire <laughs> runtime. When you boil it down, though, um, while this may have been an originator originator of its style, it's very predictable as a sports story. Overall, I think this is on you know the same note as the romance for me personally. It, it feels uh, like it's boringly single tracked. Um, what I was curious about walking into this week is how many of these films are structured around the finale being the big game. Uh, luckily, this is the only film that has that structure, so I was actually pleased. If anything, it was a preemptive eye roll <laughs> from like, all right, how many of these are going to end up in you know the the World Series or whatever? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really only this one, so uh, it, it, against and my expectations, not even World Series, yeah. Right, right. Um, against my expectations, this is the only one that kind of takes that into the plot line. So this, I think, is a flawless and early example of razzle dazzle in a movie. Um, I haven't really been able to say razzle-dazzle, I don't think, earlier than 84. Uh, that'll be something I kind of right. hopefully track for myself. <laughs> but uh, the finale of this film is so over the top, it's laughable. I mean, it's effective, it's and crazy. it looks good. <laughs> it looks real good. But, like, you put this in front of a real baseball fan, no less me, and I just feel like you turn The your crowd's head. scattering. <laughs> <laughs> People are freaking out. Right. People are guys afraid of these embers are falling on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's just it's just so silly and over the top. I just cannot describe it as anything but razzle dazzle. And folks, if you if this is a you're new to listening to the podcast or you haven't heard me use that term before, razzle dazzle is when you have an otherwise normal film, but they clock it up at that last moment. So when you're walking out, that's yeah. The last I think thing we all know razzle dazzle. We kind of know yeah. what that. Yeah, yeah. Smoke and mirrors. Type exactly, of thing. <laughs> exactly. And that's where this all kind of ties into this kind of like Oscar Beatty aspect to it. Sure. But I don't see a baseball fan loving. This one so much for its story, and certainly not for the story that plays out on the field. We're going to go ahead and give the natural 1984 a 61. Okay, 61. Very curious where you're going to put this. <laughs> uh, I don't have a Tommy Two Shoes for it. Okay, okay, fair enough. I will say uh, to your last comment that you just made, I'll touch on. Uh -huh. I think if you're over a certain age, this is an, an amazing baseball movie. Oh, okay, it's okay. Amazing, like every single scene is sure. probably gold. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wasn't in love with it or feel like I needed to give it a score, mm. I have to say. So you think I, this I, hits for an older crowd, well, uh, kind of your, your dreams coming on kind of thing? Well, to your comment, I just think 
baseball lovers who have been baseball lovers for quite some time. Okay. <clears throat> so I'll make a confession now, and this goes for the rookie as well. I think I love baseball movies, apparently. <laughs> I, re- I really love baseball movies, I think. That's I, great. And, and the funny thing is, I didn't even love it, but I enjoyed watching it. I don't mm-hmm. know, something about... It's okay. I mean, I've, I've gotten into baseball over the past few years. Sure. And... With the baseball movies, it's just like, man, this wasn't that all that great of a movie, and I really loved it. Really? Wow. <laughs> now, I don't have to give it a score, but Interesting. it's this weird... So, me, plus 15, 20 years uh-huh. of actually being a baseball fan, yep. not just a few years, I think this is just like, oh, this this hits every single oh, mark I'm and, looking and for. And that's where this is like on lists online as a top baseball when, yeah, movie. When I was a kid, I, um, this this was like on in the background, and there was this other adult there, big um, big baseball guy. Okay. And it's that end scene kind of, mm, that over-the-top scene. Yeah. And then he was just like, this is the best baseball movie ever. <laughs> but he fell victim to the razzle-dazzle. <laughs> but he's seen it already. He's yeah. just like establishing this is the one. <laughs> this is, just, just so you know. No um, arguing. But any, but so anyway, I, I love the 61. I honestly didn't know if you were going to give it almost below 50 or not. Mm. It is a little long. Mm, yeah, and yeah. and just in some ways it hits. The dark elements, the evil guy. I think that's where but, it does hit. Uh, yeah. It was it was able to add intention regardless of my critiques of like, does it end with the big game uh, sure. as its plot structure? But uh, I think, um, again, it, it had like three antagonists all adding in different. Honestly, yeah, sure. More, yeah. Absolutely. But um, and then I will say, I think they do old baseball really well. Mm. I think these other films were in kind of in present day when yep. they came out. This were back in the early 30s. Yes. I believe or 39 or it's something like, like that. This golden age of baseball. And I think they did a really good job of making it feel like that that era. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that I appreciated in the film and maybe as well. Maybe the, the electricity as well. Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but 61% for the natural, very good Vin. Uh, before it, it leaves my head as well, yeah. uh, one baseball movie that maybe people are wondering why I didn't do a more, okay. n- a newer one, Moneyball, we did already. Oh, yes, well. yeah, of course. So absolutely. if you're curious in Moneyball, you can go check that out. We've done that before. Yep. Uh, so we're going to jump, that was 84. We're going to jump ahead to 1988. This is Bull Durham. Um, I'm going to say these first three films are very well known, very well liked by baseball guys. Mm as well yep. so again another huge one on on the top of baseball film lists mm-hmm. if you look at the best baseball films in history bull durham is almost always number one so bull durham directed by ron shelton vin how did we like it well uh, this film is the writer uh, the debut for writer director ron shelton um but i can't say there's too much beyond this that i would be interested in watching uh, i mean maybe <laughs> we if we do a basketball episode we could do white man can't jump but uh mm. that, that's about it which by the way has a kill poster if you want to pull that up i did already <laughs> i saw it the so other day because we're going through all these sports movies basically <laughs> Woody Harrison and wesley Snyder just they look they look killer <laughs> baseball wise um bull durham surprised me that it is almost universally the top baseball movie yeah. uh, among kind of uh, the online consensus folks um because it's a really 50 50 split with a hot and heavy romance as much as it is about a baseball movie and if anything, I would say it leans more heavily on that romance from the get-go and then also in its conclusion. So maybe you could even say a 60-40, but that's what kind of confused me again of the love of this film. Uh, certainly, you know, it's it's thrilling. It's a very raunchy type of romance, but when it comes down to it, is a lot of baseball connected to this? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I wanted more baseball, basically. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of these films, a lot of these classic baseball films are so heavy on the female relationship kind of sure. whether it's strained and the rookie will get it's already an established marriage mm. you know but even in even in major league there's a lot of that but it's funny how it's almost 
this is in the DNA of baseball movies. Yeah, yeah. He's a lot of time off the field, basically with dealing with some sort of family relationship or relationship in straying or trying to get a woman. Absolutely. It's It's those two lanes. It's either romance or family uh, that is always paired with these, or at least at least these, uh, you know, these five films that we have. I think it's a lot on the list too. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I guess uh, uh, not to get too sidetracked. My thought here, uh, and and this can be kind of applied to this entire episode, folks, is that I kind of wanted in a baseball movie us with the team and the drama guess what is the season maybe you have ups Mm. and downs maybe it's a a a really tight race to the world series but that's kind of when i wanted almost a competition movie out of it so uh just a thought uh but you know who am i i'm not a baseball fan so you you can tell me to go go pound sand go pound the hill uh (laughs) <laughs> in Bull Durham, we are fixed on Susan Sarandon, who plays a lustful baseball fanatic. Also, always looks the same. <laughs> yeah, for real. About a person that doesn't age. <laughs> for real. Uh, she sleeps around with minor league star baseball players to kind of give them a little bit of an oomph to uh, to get to the major leagues, or uh, as this film says, the show. Um, <laughs> in each season, she chooses someone to give her luck to, and among the many superstitions in this game, she is welcomed and open arms by the team each player hoping that they can make it to the show but this underdog team needs a lot more than luck on their side kevin costner is a maverick bad boy uh, that spends his best year in the lower baseball circuits Uh, This isn't your usual family-friendly Costner either. I really mean that this is a raunchy sexual romance, which largely works. Um, This is when he's badass, when people are really fawning over him a little bit. Right, right. I think um, this does work as a romance much more, uh, if anything, leaning more heavily into it. So I I think that's a positive. He is brought into this kind of struggling team to straight out a rookie pitching star, played by a very super young Tim Robbins, which was uh, exciting to see. I I don't think I've seen him too much beyond even just uh, Shawshank Redemption, so it was weird to see him as this this young, ignorant kind of guy. The romance, unfortunately, is a little bit predictable. They are butting heads over the predictable love triangle that unfolds, but like I said, folks, honestly, I think this works a lot better than The Natural did because the romance is clearly the focus from the start. We open up with a narration from Susan Sarandon and her kind of spiritualism, her metaphysics around baseball. It's always the focus from there. Mm. So I feel like it's there's no there's no upset expectation is guess what I'm trying to get to. Uh, the writing is probably the best part here. The script has a surprising amount of personality and style. This is a pretty raunchy movie, but 100% works as kind of characterizing this minor league setting. You know, they're rough and tumble. They're not, you know, they're not trying to be, you know, these major league players. They don't have even aspirations to go to the major leagues. Right, so, right. Uh, they're kind of fine with where they are, and they're also fine with being a little bit uh, rough around the edges. And it's much better than just simply players cursing. There's a lot of fun and wittiness here. If anything, the script tries to be super highbrow at times and feels a little bit too good for the characters that would mm. call themselves dumb jocks themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So This uh, is like the AP course like in like high school. You have the AP <laughs> class, and then you have, I don't know, the one I was in. What do they call it? The, the dumber one? <laughs> Remedial? or. <Yeah. laughs> 
cut yourself short. You, Otherwise you known as the dolphin class or the tortoise class. <laughs> I was often in the tortoise class. <laughs> the tortoise class. But it's that thing of it's it's it it's, it almost feels like very high school where like you said, more rough around the edges. Yeah. The kids that kind of act out a little bit have their own louder personalities. Kinda. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and as far as that being kind of a drama point in itself, Kevin Costner's character coming into this, he's uh, he knows how it's supposed to go, and he knows what it takes to get someone to the show. Right. So his conflict with Tim Robbins, his sexual tension with Susan Sarandon, and his kind of tension with the whole team – you know, it's something there that um, uh, is is fine tuned over and over again throughout the runtime of the film. Uh, this is a, I would say, this has an interesting cross section of superstition, religion, and baseball uh, running in, underneath the entire film. And uh, if there's Anything, I mean, Feel the Dreams is pretty on the nose as far as the spiritualism aspect. Uh, yeah. So is The Hill. But this had um, an interesting perspective to give. Uh, almost every character is obsessed with baseball to the point of superstitious about it in some way. Yeah, so one thing, you were not aware of many baseball superstitions and stuff? Uh, I guess I was, but okay. I mean, I found it interesting how centrally tied these stories were around okay. it. Okay, yeah. okay. Which makes sense, you know. I mean, it's an old game. You know, there's a lot uh, in this. It's 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 in every character's DNA. Uh, Susan Sarandon, most importantly, uh, this plays into some of the comedy, but it's also secretly the plot as well. You know, this is about getting Tim Robinson to the show. This is about the love triangle, but I would say it's also about just the superstition of the game, not jinxing a winning streak. And so much of the story revolves around winning streaks, not jinxing the game, uh, that it felt like it captured some real baseball culture. And this is where I could see, oh... This is why Bull Durham's the top. Even though okay. it's more of a romance than anything, I feel like what it was able to capture as far as these superstitions and uh, baseball as a religion, if you will, right. that uh, it felt true to life. It felt very authentic felt and genuine. Hmm. So uh, It's funny, too, because this raunchy movie has more to say about religion and baseball than all of our three next movies that I would describe as full-on family movies <laughs> around religion. <laughs> so, you know, there you go. Uh, but it doesn't end with the the big game cliche, instead leaning heavier into that romance plot. But I found the ending a good deal unsatisfying and kind of puttering out. It's kind of the point of the story, uh, being trapped in the purgatory of a minor league circuit. Sure, yeah. Also, how our characters are kind of just like hanging around the baseball it, it, fields. You know, I, I, you, you almost feel like that's a lot of how those guys kind of drift away. Yeah, because they never make it to the top. They're mm-hmm. in Double A or Triple A, and mm-hmm. then the career ends. And you know, right, right. Um, so there is always almost a somberness to it. Yeah, and I think uh, for the baseball fan, just how I, I put emphasis on that the superstition of the story is almost a plot in itself. I think there there could be some serious enjoyment there in the realism of it. It's not like the natural or not you know, it's, it's not like this up. bomb going off at the end of the movie. <laughs> Literally. Right? So when it comes to to this, I'm, I'm, at a, I'm, at a, I'm at a crossroads. I felt that the ending was pretty unsatisfying and kind of not soiled it, but kind of left me on a hanging note. Right. But also that's kind of the point of the whole film yeah, as well. very real at the same time. Exactly. So that's where my thoughts are. I think not to... 
not to fight the expectation of this being, you know, touted as the the best baseball movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I felt uh, that uh, the the ending didn't really bring it home. And once again, I was craving more baseball. We're gonna go ahead and give Bull Durham nineteen eighty eight a sixty four. Okay, sixty four. I'm a little surprised at that. I'm, okay, you liked it a little bit more than I thought. Yeah. Uh, did, did, you didn't watch this one? I did not watch this okay. one, though, yeah. But you kind of know the expectation. I know right? kind of the deal and the research yeah. and everything yeah. like that and the, compar- and the comparisons and all that. But uh, And just you talking about it, maybe I wasn't expecting to be 64, but okay. You thought the, they were going to be lower. These, yeah, I did. Oh, okay. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm okay. I'm still smiles yeah, over that's here. Good. That's and, good. and 64 is still a good movie. I think it, just, it has to hit for the right person. A- absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Which is where it's great where the podcast comes in hand. Yep. Uh, so let's go ahead. We're jumping a year and a head. We're Sticking with our main actor, we'll jump right into it. This is Field of Dreams, directed by Phil Alden Robinson. Let's get into this already. You said this is very family focused. How all ba- three of these next ones are? <laughs> How baseball focused are we here? Uh, oh, barely. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, it's only one year later, and officially, Costner has found his groove in baseball films. Um, this okay, time, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut in one more time. Sure, sure. Because it's insane. Um, <laughs> he was in Chasing Dreams, a baseball movie in 1982. Okay. And then he was in a movie in the 90 and 99 called For the Love of the Game, oh, where he plays like a pitcher or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So we can do – this could have been a full – Believe it or not, For the Love of the Game is floating around on a list somewhere. Uh, that kind of looks all right, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And it's a little bit newer. It's late 90s. Yeah, okay, okay. We have two baseball – we have a whole other episode we have to do, <laughs> and we have Little League Baseball episode. Right, It's crazy. Right. We have secondary old man baseball, so, and then we have Little League Baseball. Yeah, so we have – this is third baseball movie in the 80s, but not very baseball-ish. Yeah, this time around, it's much more family-friendly as a story and feels primed for the 90s on Honestly, um, almost worthy of being called a trendsetter uh, in, in its in its really? work. Yeah, I would say watching this film, this feels like a template for so many '90s movies, especially in like, the family space, um, like Disney vibes, uh, like Disney family vibes, pr- almost pre-Disney vibes. Uh, not saying that Disney wasn't around, but sure. pre-'90s and 2000s Disney, uh, Disney Channel, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where the Rookie feels identical to like a Disney Channel because it is. Yeah, so. yeah. But when it comes down to it, I, I I really want to give some credit to this trend-setting aspect. I think composer James Horner deserves a lot of credit for capturing the feel of this film. I honestly forget what my comments were on Horner when we did the James Cameron episode, but I think it is a perfect match here. Uh, the expectations of the story, how much the story moves, and what this plot is truly about, which is, uh, <laughs> I mean run-of-the-mill, kind of a mid-like crisis for a guy. Uh, it's so imaginative, and, and the, the soundtrack there just really just drove it home. I think it was a, a perfect match. So, not saying I, I, I loved it as, uh, you know, an all-time favorite soundtrack itself. I just feel like the it complemented the film so well. So, And I'm sorry, it was James Horner. James Horner, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we had some big, like Randy Newman did The Natural. Oh, wow, I didn't even catch yeah. that. <laughs> Wow. So had, like, there's big names attached all over between yep. the directors, the music. I mean, uh, again, the the actors in this, huge cast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you get James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones and Ray Liotta, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's got Darth Vader. <laughs> uh, if you build it, he will come uh, is a spectral voice that Costner hears one day in an otherwise mundane farming life. It referring to a baseball field he has to build over his crops. 
This voice speaks to him in more ways than one, however, uh, causing him to reflect on life, spontaneity, his father, and dreams themselves. You know, your basic midlife crisis <laughs> that he's going through. <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't. It wouldn't. It wasn't said in the film. So, uh, but building this field is only the start, as what comes along with it is a cross between a miracle and a freak accident. I would say the tone and the feel I mentioned earlier, this, uh, this 90s, this uh, Disney vibe to it, comes from the film's optimism. So much uh, happens in the plot that would cause drama or conflict in any other movie, and instead it's meant with a grin of excitement. Uh, in a world I would call Field of Dreams schmaltzy. Uh, it's overly sentimental, which can be nauseating for some, my, myself included. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's chipper just for the sake of being chipper. Uh, this voice inspires ins- excitement. Um, the spiritualism of the film inspires excitement. And that excitement is infectious to others as we see more and more characters brought into this story. As a result, I think this film has good pacing and its storyline is far from predictable, which you go back to the last two movies, and guess what, folks? You go out to the front two movies after this, yeah. and predictable is a critique that I have across the board. This is not predictable. not predictable. Okay. I mean, even so much so that I thought... That really surprises me, just I, reading on it. <laughs> right, right. I I thought the whole thing was going to be the challenge of building the field. It's done in the first 15 minutes. Like, the field is okay, built. Okay, all right, you know? that's cool. Uh, it's about the dreams. It's not about the field. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, oh, he goes through, like, money trouble then. And, like, that's that's brought in. But the field is done, like, in 15. And it looks phenomenal, too. So, uh, but uh, it, it's, 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 it goes in a lot of uh, new areas very fast. This is a type of plot, screenplay, script, however you want to word it, that doesn't waste time. It's really moving along at a clip, and though what it introduces may be this schmaltzy, over-sentimental, kind of syrupy garbage. Sure. Uh, <laughs> for some, I think uh, it has a purpose that it's it's about telling an optimistic story and about telling a spiritual story with the timeless game of baseball. Uh, supporting cast here is very strong, um, each having at least two standout scenes. His wife, played by uh, Amy Madigan, uh, was great. Sith Lord Darth Vader has a pretty large role in this, which is great. We get the classic actor Burt Lancaster from a new favorite on the podcast, Sweet Smell Success. Oh, wow. Um, Burt Lancaster plays J.J. Hunk the Hunsaker in, uh, in that movie. Okay, so okay. I was excited to see him. But above all these supporting performances is a brief... But honestly, a knockout performance from Ray Liotta. Really, he's he's on the scene. He's on the he's on scene for such a small amount of time, but leaves such an impression. Uh, and with this coming wow. one year before Goodfellas, I can't help but feel this was excellent momentum for what we see being his peak work, probably in Goodfellas. So, damn, what a really, great small stretch he had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. To end it on cocaine, Barry. Yeah, huh? just. <laughs> <laughs> just about to, say. Uh, to have it all end in cocaine bear. Oh boy. Yeah. But um, out of the five movies this week, this is probably the least uh, baseball out of all of them. And it's more of a supernatural adventure story with uh, baseball window dressings. Wow. Okay. Um, I want to lean into both of those terms, though. Adventure really explains how this plot moves along as at a clip mm-hmm. because they're always discovering something new. Again, 
it might be a little nauseating, but each new discovery that they find is met with such excitement and energy in the plot. Spiritual in the sense that it is about like this dude kind of having a midlife crisis. Uh, not in a bad way, though. Every discovery, every you know potential crisis works out. Right? <laughs> finds a new miracle. I wonder if this is like the P- the PG baseball movie of signs. Ooh, interesting. You know, you're just yeah. stuck in this house in the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> Supernatural. Anyway, uh, you know what? We need a Mel Gibson baseball movie. I think that's what we need. <laughs> Him as like a disgruntled coach. Oh, wow, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Um, but it goes on as a clip, as you said. So going through these moments, although uh, you found it a little schmaltzy, by the way, uh, word of the mm. word of the episode. Oh, for sure, you taught me something today. Yeah. Um, oh, but but get ready for it. It's it's gonna be in the next oh. <laughs> two reviews as well. But the idea is at least it's moving along. Yeah. It's an hour and 47, so yeah. at least it's getting you through. And I think has, beyond all this chipperness, uh, that chipperness serves a point. It's it's telling a very inspiring, very personal story. And it just happens to be around baseball because baseball's been around forever. Yeah, okay, I love that. Um, uh, Darth Vader gives a line towards the end that kind of ties it all together to baseball, but this film is equally about innocence and nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new rule in the podcast. I think I'm implementing anytime. Uh, anytime we yeah, talk about it, right? Right. You have it's to Darth say Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah, Sith Lord Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if anything, I'll go back to the Conan uh, episode yeah. and we'll re-edit that. So, but folks, you you seriously might not have the gut reaction that I'm expecting to how sweet the film is sometime. But like I said, I think it is all with a purpose and tells a very unique story, a very emotional story, and um, one that I was kind of walking away with in something I don't feel that often is a feel-good vibe. Uh, I mean, wow, Tom, you know me. I'm, you know, yeah. give me dark, give me Cronenberg, give me... Box off know? is poison. Box <laughs> off is poison for Vin. Vin doesn't want to feel good leaving a movie, folks. Right. I want to feel I don't want to destroyed. Feel- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be preached to. That's box right. off. That's poison to me for you. A- anybody trying to make you feel good. You're right. It's You're no good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, it, it, it's going to be a little bit of a wild comparison, but almost like a good Star Trek episode. It's able to achieve such a unique story in how earnest it is and how earnest and genuine it feels. And in this case, that genuine story is about life and the timeless game of baseball. We're going to go ahead and give Field of Dreams, 1989, a 70 on the dot. Wow, okay, 70 on the dot. Yeah. I, I, I some good surprises today. I mean, a feel-good movie that surprised <laughs> you and yeah. given it a 70%. For real. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think any listener of the show for any number of episodes yeah. knows my style by now. Like, I, I don't like, you know, I like emotionally devastating yeah, movies. We have a mutual <laughs> friend, and his way of telling if a movie is good or not is, well, you know, if I, it's a feel-good movie. You know, I walked <laughs> right. away, it, I walked away, and it made me feel good. And that's right. like a great movie. Right, right. For you, that's just... <laughs> that's the poison film. <laughs> yeah. But here, I felt... Uh, it was I, that good. It, again, it felt like a good next-gen Star Trek episode. Yeah. And that it's like, yeah, this is a little bit... Sickeningly sweet, but it also is telling a very interesting story. And to your point in the beginning, you felt like this could have been a trendsetter 
from here, I think you so. try to chase that vibe. Yeah, and you don't. Almost oh, oftentimes it's done terribly. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, especially going into the '90s. Uh, I mean, um, even how spiritualism is held without maybe mentioning anything necessarily Christian or a specific religion by name. Right. The idea of the spirituality. I mean, I felt like Casper almost at times. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how much of this template uh, it felt like in '89. I freaking love it. Okay, seventy seventy percent for Field of Dreams. And by the way, I know that Field of Dream. No, not Field of Dreams. What was the one that we talked about? Uh, no, for the love of the game. By the way, oh, yeah, yeah. I, that was on your list, I, I guarantee, because it's directed by Sam Raimi. Oh! Yeah, yeah so we're, gonna, we're gonna have to watch that movie. Yeah, then. yeah, that, okay. that, that'll definitely make it the next list. 70% Field of Dreams. We're taking the big jump, we're leaping past the 90s now, and then we're jumping straight to 2002's mm. The Rookie. Yep. Now, I was kind of... I was kind of gunning for this to get knocked off the list. I was right, trying yep. to get Major League in there. Yep. But you wanted to keep it because we have two Costners, and, two then we, and we got two Quades. <laughs> So this is 20 years ago, Quaid, playing already an aged guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Um, this is Disney through and through, though. Uh, let's get into it. It's two hours and seven minutes. Again, longer than I thought. It's mm. rated G. Yeah. Uh, I watched this film. Let's get into it right away. What do we think of The Rookie? Well, if the schmaltz didn't get you with Field of Dreams, you can <laughs> believe Disney is going to make you nauseous with this one. Uh, a good part of the film, a good part of that feeling falls on our director's shoulders. Uh, one look at John Lee Hancock's, Hancock's filmography and you get the feel of this movie right away because he's been making the same movie since 2002. <laughs> Maybe earlier. Also not to date this review, but Hancock is centered on some of the controversy around 2009's The Blind Side, uh, which recently was shaken up for its accuracy of its real-life portrayal. Uh, honestly, I was kind of curious in covering The Blind Side. I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, an interesting connection between episodes and when this is I didn't out. know. It's funny. I did not know he directed that. Yeah, yeah. And wrote it as well, which is why he's a little bit more, I believe, centered Tied to, to the, yeah. what's going on with that. At so. first, I was on the... I've done a little research on it now. Okay. And heard some people's opinions, spent some time listening to some okay. things. At first, I was on his side. Mm. Uh, the more I looked into it, I'm on the family side now. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Inter I, on, I'm not too well read on it, so... I, no, I'm we don't have to get into the whole thing. Yeah, But yeah. basically, that's it surprised me. I was on his side at first. I yeah. think it, why it got any attention from me at all, besides maybe something that we would populate the, the newsletter with or something like I that. I almost did, but yeah. it just, the, the story, I hate to say, didn't interest me in the beginning, yeah. but it was all too up in the air. Exactly. I would rather cover it when things were settled. It also feels like scraping at a 2009 profit that was just like, all right, well, where, right, where, where right. was this, where were you upset, you know, for the... Sure. Yeah. But <laughs> I like I said, I don't really know too much about it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with the rookie. Nothing to do with But Dennis good connection, Kwan. though, with the director. Didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and again, he's just been kind of making the same movie for his entire career. <laughs> so, uh, The Rookie is a family drama baseball movie. The same will be for The Hill. We shift from romance being the secondary flavor to the baseball movie, or sometimes the primary flavor, uh, and moving it now to clearly it's about the family drama of this. Uh, what starts with a military brat with some big dreams of pro baseball snaps to Dennis Quaid as a washed-up high school science teacher and a baseball coach for a failing team. His baseball team doesn't have the passion or the budget for the game, but they rally behind their coach because of his clear major league talent. Quaid in this has a latent ability to start pitching better than he's ever pitched, even when he was in his prime. 
and the deal that they cut with him is to go after his own dreams uh, and try out for some pro- a professional baseball team despite everything pointing against it, from financially with the family drama side to his age. Once again, this is a per- you know a, a perfect old-timer baseball movie. Yeah, definitely. Know? Uh, or maybe not old timer. Yeah, that's a little mean, but uh, past his prime kind of thing. Yeah, there you but, go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to just uh, dog on old people trying to play a little baseball. But uh, character exposition is uh, real bad here. It is handled with a sledgehammer, folks. Um, things we find about Quaid are delivered with high beams on. <laughs> uh, I won't pick on the son too much, who is Angus Jones from Two and a Half Men, but. Yeah. Every single line from him is just like, oh, is that why your shoulder's broken and you gave up on your dreams and the doctor says you're going to die? And That's one like, of the best impressions you've done yet on the, on the show. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't even trying. That was all feeling right there. That, that's what the movie is. But, um, you know, so much of that. I mean, it's it's granted, it is the worst with the sun, both for kind of a kid actor performance, uh, but... Uh, it, it it it's just a damn shame because this film has plenty of quiet moments that could have been used to clue into things. I think the relationship with his father is the greatest casualty here. Brian Cox plays a stern role. And it would have been great to use him more, even if it's just dumping the yeah. black backstory on I us. I totally agree. I mean, just have him be a bastard. Yeah. 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 That's what I was hoping for. Absolutely. I, it, it's a G-rated Disney film. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're yeah. not, we're not going to get... I mean... After watching Succession, you just want that guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you're not going to get that Brian Cox for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, um, but but that's that's you know, and maybe maybe I can dial it back a little bit. It is G rated. This exposition maybe has to be so again delivered with high beams on, delivered with a sledgehammer abs- swing, yes. you know, because it's for a very very young in a audience. sippy cup to yeah. not spill anything. Exactly. I, I, I think the most like not controversy, the um, looked at relationship that had some of the most strife at one point was the the marriage yeah. between him and his wife. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, that feels pretty real. Yeah, you know, not just classic. Oh, you go and be. I mean, you look at the natural. Mm. He has full support. Yep. from his uh, female counterpart yeah with this at least there was some strife there mm-hmm. but <laughs> i wanted brian cox like yeah. making him cry in multiple <laughs> scenes <laughs> uh quaid's acting is uh, i would say a, a bit of a weak spot as well especially when it comes to emotional performances i think i'm just mm. kind of clued into after watching so many movies and so many blockbuster movies this year i think i'm just clued into just fake crying like i i need tears like yeah his emotion was bad yeah. i think everything else was fine because his role was to play a normal guy exactly and i think that's what dennis quaid does best sure sure uh still one of the worst acting <laughs> the worst acting i've ever seen in a movie uh-huh. probably top five i would say dennis quaid okay. in, a, in a horrible version of the alamo oh really yeah interesting and he i think he plays davy crockett i don't know if it's davy crockett or something <laughs> yeah, but yeah it's some old, old he tries like to that. do an accent boy is it bad. i mean it's interesting shockingly bad interesting so well, him, him playing normal guy all right yeah <laughs> you know but normal he, dad. He, he couldn't do a mo- as soon as he needed to act, it wasn't there. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, you know, and honestly, many scenes will spotlight him in a way that hopefully shows some range, and all of it just falls short. So that's where I kind of came from. Costner versus Quaid. I'm saying Costner wins this week. Costner wins baseball week. Costner you know? wins at life in the world of acting between the two. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. So <laughs> this movie needed. He should have just done this. <laughs> just keep it going, Kevin Costner. 2002. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, after Waterworld or whatever that was, <laughs> whatever that failure was. 
I'll say the runtime of this film is packed with a lot more of actual baseball than any of the films that we covered this week, which is a positive. It's something I've been is it saying. Is that much, you think? I think it's because it's how the story is structured that his his high school team has to kind of have their own little arc, and then he steps into this major league stuff, that you basically right. get two peaks to the baseball rather than the big game kind of, you know, story structure. Okay. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I also really like the high school uh, level baseball. I think uh, that's a good positive for the more kid-oriented baseball week. Cool, this is close to <laughs> It's going to happen. We're, <laughs> we're a step away from scheduling it, folks. <laughs> um, but this is close to being on that list. I, I forgot how kind of more kid-oriented mm, it was. Yeah. I, ah, it kind of surprised me. There's just such quiet moments with yeah. Wade dealing with either his wife or dealing in the faculty or mm. whatever, some of the townspeople in the Texas uh, town. Genuinely missing his family as well. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah the morose. Yep. So, it, I, I was kind of a little surprised to hear you say that. I, 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 maybe I didn't feel like the baseball was electric. Mm, you know, okay, or at least fair. in the natural, the, like, he's constantly <laughs> the in the, stand, the explosion, <laughs> but he's naturally just in a large stadium with people. Yeah, yeah. And with Quaid, he really needs to work himself up, mm-hmm. or maybe we just get that at the very end. Yeah. You know, with this, you just small town baseball essentially yeah. I, I think that's just where uh, it kind of hits on what I wanted out of, out of the competition the the season itself I kind of mm. wanted to see some highs and lows play out and at least in the other movies we didn't really get that too much you yeah. know what I mean but, uh, again my perspective as a not not a baseball fan a, you know a, a sports <laughs> dummy folks so <laughs> believe me if, if, if that's wrong you can feel free to skewer me like it's not I'm not I'm not, not feeling that passionate about my baseball hot take <laughs> So, <laughs> not yet, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe another one of these weeks under my belt. <laughs> but yeah, in my eyes, some of these scenes felt like downtime in the film where music would play over almost in a montage level. But I personally felt watching The Rookie that a baseball fan and especially a family, you know, expecting to see a baseball movie, a baseball family movie, I think these would be substance for enjoyment, whether it's the, you know, his high school minor league team or when he gets involved in the pro baseball so this is also the only modern baseball film to show how things works uh like the intimidating tryout process and how that goes yeah so some of the behind the scenes stuff for sure uh which uh i kind of liked again there was one aspect that i thought would probably be beaten over my head for five movies straight Mm -hmm. and uh, rookie was the only one to 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 do that so i think we had a good Good variation in the in the movies uh, this week with, with what uh, we unexpectedly. had. Yeah, with what we had, like because we already used Moneyball. Yeah, that would have been great to mix in here. Mm, because sure. it's just so different, a little bit more modern yep. as well. Very, yeah, I feel like they get they kind of feel the same, mm-hmm. but very different in actual yeah. in actual presentation for sure. But but that's that's honestly about it. Uh, it's a serious dad film. Uh, it's a pretty okay family film, but its priorities are on baseball, which I can respect. I just wish its priorities were on its script as well, and not being so thick and dense to deliver its plot beats. We're going to go ahead and give The Rookie 2002 a 56. Okay, 56. Lowest one. I, I, I hate to disappoint people. I'm not going to do Tommy Two Shoes again. Again? No. Okay. Love the movie. Didn't really <laughs> like it. Didn't really like See, it too this much. Is, this <laughs> is rough when you're saying you love the movie. Yeah, because I I, I think I like I love baseball movies, I think. <laughs> I think I love baseball there's movies. Bias. There's a weird there's I and I had no idea until watching The Natural. That's great. Where I could be just like, I don't even really like this, but I'm loving this right now. Interesting. Okay. Um yeah, it's the worst. Can't even explain it. <laughs> We'll find. What a movie critic I am. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, honestly, 
I really like the family element. I was, that was like, okay. what a good Disney movie. Mm, I was sure. so appreciative of the Disney movie. Yeah. They would never make anything like this right now. Okay. And oh, I, yeah. I, I think that's a shame. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought the messaging was good. It's a G-rated movie. And it did, <laughs> I think it did a great job with what it was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a baseball movie, I enjoy baseball movies. So I love this movie. <laughs> baseball as, as, as far as it was performing and everything like that, I, it's whatever. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's okay. It's the rookie. Uh, it's true. There, there is maybe like a, uh, a step back uh, I can take in some of my criticism. Yeah. But it's just like, all right, it's like the G-rated aspect to it. Yeah, also, a 2002 Disney G-rated uh, baseball movie, two hours and seven minutes, too long. Yeah. It, it's just, oh, it, good call. It's just, it, you should not be over the two-hour mark. Yeah. So, there's that. But anyway, 56%, I like that, Vin. Yeah, I, not a bad no, movie. Yeah, I just can't give, I just, I just can't give it one. <laughs> okay, all I right. I don't care that much. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, folks, let's go ahead and get into our donation segment. So, Vin, we do have our producer for oh. today. We have a returning producer. We have Isaac coming back. Oh, our boy Isaac. Yeah, Isaac Garcia coming back. He wrote in, by the way, Space Odyssey donation. So 2001 pennies. So we appreciate that. He says, love the Mission Impossible recaps. Rogue Nation and Fallout fan here, mostly because Eliza or Ilsa is just so freaking hot. (laughs) Keep up the great work. I love listening to you guys. That's great. Great. Great, simple, short note, Isaac. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Once again, coming in with the Space Odyssey donation. The shame of it is, I mean, I think since last time Isaac has donated months ago, mm-hmm. I think we've only had one or two donations since then. Yeah. We think the Hundy is around the corner. <laughs> We're on episode... You're ni- banking on it. Episode 97, Ben. Yeah. We're three episodes away from our 100th That's, episode. Uh, it feels surreal. I mean, really surreal. Yeah. Very exciting. It's it's just... It's, it's awesome. And, and for everybody listening, we see the numbers going up and up and up, so mm-hmm. we appreciate it so much. Folks, if you're listening to this, Isaac, uh, you are the executive producer of episode 97, uh, producer of the daily ratings we thank you all so much and folks if you want to become a producer wondering what's going on here what happens is you go to the dailyratings.com you go to the donations tab and through your monetary support you become an actual legit producer of the daily ratings mm. um so like we said so isaac he did uh uh he did the space odyssey donation yep. 2001 pennies uh there, so that's a set donation we have we have a bunch of monthlies we have a, a weekly and then we have some one-time donations that are set. Sure. I just threw one a movie ticket, five-minute oh, movie ticket. Oh, that's great! Like a cup of coffee. Yeah, well, yeah, because the national average was like eleven dollars and seventy-five cents. Oh, boom! You want to get five-minute movie ticket? Go that's on, great. go to the donations tab. But there's also right there. There's a tab called the Value for Value donation, and that's what it is. It's it's whatever amount you want to donate. Whatever amount of value you're getting from us, basically, you go ahead and put a number to it and you send it our way. And that's a great way to produce. So, Vin and I, we sit down every week. We host the show. Vin watches the movies. Are you getting value from it? Are you, one, enjoying it? Laugh? Cry? Whatever? (laughs) (laughs) Are you into movies than what you were before you started listening? Are you even critiquing your own kind of movie list? Sure. Uh, And is that because you're listening to us every week? Then, that's value in your pocket. Can you give us some value back in our pocket? Again, it's at dailyratings.com. You go to the donations tab, and we thank you all so much for your value for value payment. Absolutely. Um, also, again, we're growing, growing. One thing that you can keep on doing though is just get the word out there. Sure. We appreciate everybody who just tells their friend, tells somebody who they hear talking about movies. Mm-hmm. We love it. Anytime you hear somebody bitching about Rotten Tomatoes, get us in the conversation. <laughs> yep. That's what I always say. That's where we want to be. Absolutely. That's our um, spot. Uh, can I give a quick plug to the socials? Please, absolutely. Uh, so, folks, we have been really making some strides on TikTok. Talk, Instagram Shorts, and YouTube Reels. Uh, no, I got that mixed around. <laughs> Instagram Reel, 
Reels and YouTube Shorts. Uh, just basically putting some video, com- uh, visual comedy to the many clips of the podcast uh, of those you know ninety seven episodes yeah. or so. And you have been. Vin's been crushing it, folks. <laughs> well, it's it's been a nightmare navigating the the algorithms. I'll tell you that it is is a, the wild west for sure. But the reason why uh, I wanted to make note of it is that if you are legitimately on any of these platforms, uh, if you spend time on YouTube like myself, if you can't get out of uh, Zuckerberg's clutches with Instagram, uh, or if uh, you're in someone else's pockets with TikTok, <laughs> uh, give us a follow, check it out, and uh, honestly, it is a, a serious value add because the videos themselves... Uh, they have visual comedy to them. There, yeah. There's, they're I feel fantastic. like there's, there's the, there the clips that we identify and we hear as working. And on top of that, as well, we want to hear from you. If there is a clip that we don't have edited, and you know, and it, it busted you up, and you love it, uh, send it to us. Uh, we, we're definitely looking for um, what makes you happy and making that into the content that populates those platforms. Yeah, that's great, Finn. And uh, like I said, you've been crushing, it. and it, it's just fun to scroll through, and it is just, it's, it's just funny. Right. It's another little value thing that we do. Yep. Just like by the way every week we do the newsletter we're gonna pitch everything we have to, don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't forget about the newsletter there's the full stack every tuesday morning <laughs> it's there in your email and we're not trying to push extra products on you or shove ads in your face or something like that on there it's really just it's a fun little quick read we do the weekend mm-hmm. box office we see what what vin has coming up in the week and we also have all kinds of other stuff extremely useful i mean uh you beat me to understanding the news around doom being pushed oh yeah uh so i mean i think if, just on that note as well if you're excited for a movie and going to watch it on pace for when it comes out. Uh, newsletter very valuable. Yeah, to it's it's keep been you a up nightmare. Speed. Yeah, Dune got huh, Dune got pushed back from this. Such a shame, <laughs> such a shame. From this November to March fifteenth, mm-hmm. Godzilla was supposed to come out on March fifteenth. That's now coming out April twelfth, and because <laughs> that's coming out April twelfth, Lord of the Rings: War of the Rohirrim. Oh. Which was supposed to be coming out on April twelfth is now coming out in December of oh, next year. Wow! Really push back. Why really go for the back. December spot? That's interesting. Uh, because they're trying to keep other release schedules, probably. Mm, sure. And December sure. also it also plays really well with New Line's release of Lord of the Rings. They're oh, always in okay. December. Right. It's like a Star Wars Christmas kind of thing. Yeah, but boy, we're gonna have to wait even longer for that now. It just sucks. Yeah. It sucks that yeah. Dune two we got to wait for now. We were looking so much forward to that. Oh, for sure. But for anyway, sure. if you want the newsletter, because there's all kinds of other fun <laughs> stuff in there, you go to the bottom of the website put your name put your email in there and you're good to go all right so this, yeah hit us yeah. up on the socials twitter everything whatever yep thank you all so much isaac thank you executive producer episode 97 absolutely we, we appreciate you i want to hear what michael mann movies you love the most that's so. right yeah and yeah and he's a rogue nation fallout fan we weren't too hot on rogue nation but we like fallout a lot oh, fallout, I mean, but he's also on. a fan of uh is it ilsa i think it's ilsa i, I it's rebecca ferguson basically. yeah oh there you go you, you got me on the name <laughs> okay so um i'm yeah, gonna of dune too even though we usually do this at, at, at the end of the episode okay i'm gonna just bring something up now oh okay sure. okay because i have a feeling that maybe some people drop off towards okay, the end of the episode they turn off and i think this is important to get down fair enough so I think we need to go back in time and bring something up and kind of discuss something. Oh, boy. He's but bringing some, some dirt. No, not dirt. Not dirt. <laughs> not dirt. stirring the tea. But anyway, just very quick, folks. We're just going to take a step back here. We're going to go back to episode 91, okay. I think, and just hear a little clip from episode 91. Oh, All right, boy. No, he's, he's got this uh, The biggest question is, how bad is it going to tank? We should place bets on that. The most. <laughs> uh, let's put a number to it. I'm going to say Haunted Mansion does $50 million. 
Oh, no, that sounds too much. I'm going to say 30 million. Okay. Lock it in. Lock it in. Lock it in. Lock <laughs> worldwide or US? Uh, just no. US. Okay. Yeah, I would love to actually bet real money on this. We should bet a movie. We should bet a movie review on this. Who's ever close? Let's just go who's ever closest. Whoever's closest. Yeah. All right. Just for the sake of uh, sake of sportsmanship, 30 million. Lock it in. Lock it in. Lock it in. I will go 78. Okay. It's on the podcast, so everybody knows now. That's the deal. I said there 78. Then said 30. I'm losing. <laughs> I'm losing. Okay, so basically, oh, we set the date. We, yep. uh, or we set, the, we set the price point, basically. Yep. So we said whoever gets closest. So basically, it's been a number of weeks since Haunted Mansion's been out. Okay. It never did all that well anyway. But basically, I think what it needed to do, I needed it to make more than... 54 million. Oh, if okay. it made more than 54 million, uh-huh. then I'm already in it. Okay. Okay. Then I already win and get to pick a movie that you have to watch. So, me being unprepared, let's look it up <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now. Let's look it up. Domestic, it's sitting at $62 million. Oh, so, I should have went with the 50. You should have went with the 50. I, now, thinking about it, I shot so drastically under. But correct me if I'm wrong, isn't like a Blue Beetle around like a 17 or something like that? Like, Well, Blue Beetle's tough because it came out way more, way more recently. Oh, okay, so, we got to okay. let that ride oh, out sure, a little sure. bit. Yeah. As far as Haunted Mansion, the funny thing is, earlier in the episode, we were starting to talk about that. Uh-huh. I said, I think Haunted Mansion is going to do just as good as Strange World. And then I took that back. And it uh-huh. turns out, Strange World, I think, domestic. Made like thirty. Really? Made like thirty million. To your point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, I pulled it out. So I get to pick a movie, and I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I. Oh, he's elated. Uh, this is nauseating, folks. Oh boy. I'm thinking I might do. I'm, I'm not locking it down right now, right, but okay. I got to tell you, I, not I, locking it in. It's a fifty percent. Yeah, lock it in, lock it in, lock it in. Uh, I'm at a fifty percent. I'm loving this episode. I kind of want to make it Major League One. No way. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. And I'm realizing how many baseball movies we have to watch that it's not even going to make it on a baseball episode two. It's true. Episode. It's true. I'll tell you and what. And not only that, it is a super baseball movie. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, what. Go what. I'll tell you what. I'm still hot on these baseball movies. Next week we have the Equalizer 3 spot. Maybe it's Major League One and Two. Wow. <laughs> Okay, okay, all right, maybe. I don't know if you're going to keep that pause <laughs> in the edit, folks, but he, he was contemplating it hard. Well, hey, you know, two, two for one for me. Oh, yeah, it's a BOGO deal, folks. Right, yeah, We're loving yeah, this. Wow, I'm, I'm basically it's giving you the It's a baseball BOGO. Uh, okay, all right. So anyway, but I kind of like those bets. We should keep those going. I, that, that's great. Mainly because I'm always probably going to lose. Because <laughs> I, am not a, I don't have the producer mind on it. I'm going to do Anyway, okay, all right, so that's that. We'll settle that up later in the weeks here. Uh, Vin, let's keep on going. This is now in theaters. I don't know if you knew it or not. This is called The Hill. Just came out. It's directed by Jeff Kellentano. And once again, we have Dennis Quad doing it for Dennis us. Dennis Quad. Uh, Vin, how was The Hill? Uh, well, The Hill, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, Tom. I've been treated to a truly empty theater in a while. Woo! So this was a nice, nice treat. I really? Mean, dead empty, yeah. I, I actually, to the point that... I, I see movies so early now, uh, especially on like you know, yeah. Like, yeah, fan releases, yada yada kind of stuff. I I really don't remember the last time I had a truly empty, empty like theater. zero, like zero, not yeah. one, no, not one. I have never had that. Yeah, so it's always one guy. Oh, really? <laughs> this was the well, the sound of freedom. There's one guy, right? I went, uh, I went to go 42 see forty two when you said <laughs> there was one guy. Well, no, forty two was packed actually, oh, okay. but that one guy was like <laughs> everyone's like, yo, easy dude. Yeah, but folks, like we we mentioned towards the beginning of the episode, um, with us covering Gran Turismo early and 
And with F. Gary Gray's film for Netflix being pushed to the stratosphere, I mean, I think it's pushed out to like January or February. It was supposed to come out this week. Uh, <laughs> here we are in baseball week. <laughs> so, and covering The Hill. And and honestly, it's been, it's been a joy to watch these films. Um, the Hill included. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of this. Once again, we these these latter three definitely hit on such an acceptable family level that they're not you know too bad either. You know, mm, uh, yeah. I feel like they function so much and are so inoffensive to so many different audiences that I really feel like you know this uh, they, they they don't get too bad is what I'm saying. The Hill tells the uh, the story uh, the real story of star baseball player Ricky Hill. And his climb to stardom against impossible odds, um, he may be able to knock a home run with just a stick, but he has to work out of poverty, mental uh, metal braces, <laughs> maybe mental braces as well, <laughs> <laughs> metal braces on his legs, and the works. Dennis Quaid plays his father and largely steals the show here in some pretty solid character perfor- uh, performance. Um, it's actually surprising. Really? Yeah, it, it's very interesting that you said the the comment with the Alamo or whatever he was in. Yeah. But he kind of has, like, he puts on this, like, southern preacher, you know, uh, draw. Not hammy? It's not bad. It's not bad. One of the better parts. Granted, he steals the show because half the time he's up against a kid. So it's not, you know, I mean, he is the support structure for the film. It should be said, not little, little kid, correct? We're like, Uh, have an older teen? uh, No, that's later half. Okay, gotcha. Uh, We get the older teen, basically, high school age uh, for for baseball and and how that plays into, you know, uh, tryouts and whatnot. And what percentage on screen are we they're really pushing Dennis Quaid. Yeah. So what's our percentage of kid who's actually the baseball player to Yeah, I would say dad. first half of the film he runs the show and then it gets tossed to basically okay. when the kid grows up in a time jump. So uh, again, not saying too much just because half the time he's up against no one acting with these kids. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I did not find his character performance bad and if anything a little good. So the Southern Christian bend to the story is unavoidable because of our character roles, Dennis Quaid, most notably as his father, Ricky Hill's father, uh, plays a preacher. Uh, so it's a very moral story, especially in that first half, raising his family. Mm-hmm. But the plot lacks significant drama for so much of its runtime, and it's only compounded by this sweet, southern, polite tone. Schmaltzy, once again, is at the core of of the tone of this film. I'm not even saying it necessarily as a criticism because certainly that's going to work for its family objective. Smaltzy is the word. I mean, it is very (laughs) overly sentimental. Uh, Drama resolves itself. Uh, You know, without a doubt, this is the most family-oriented story despite Disney being nowhere near this production. And uh, I got to say, it's this one finally tipped the scales a little bit into being a bad for me. Um, The nausea finally set in. (laughs) So so the fact that this film came and went or wasn't picked up by some type of feel-good, bigger bigger studio or something like that, this is based on a true story, correct? Uh, Yes, yes. So, you know... Ricky Hill was like a real baseball project. Right. If if that's kind of how it went down, if they're in this very spiritual, you know, religious family setup... There's only so much you could do from a film aspect then, but yeah, a little much. I think I think you hit the nail on the head is where I will go with this, that the religion, the spiritualism, I really didn't mind it. And again, I feel like it uh, is far from something that we covered earlier this year, like Nefarious, where it was preachy. If anything, it's just these are children 
they're growing up with a preacher father, and thus morals or a moral a moral story unfolds. Right, right. And how the, his character is crafted. So I think it was totally fine, but it's more so how drama is self-resolving itself. I found the film almost sickeningly sweet uh, at times, especially mm. when it comes that there is natural conflict between Ricky and his father, especially in that later half. Right. And all of it is just kind of yeah, unexplored, I guess would be the word. It's, it's slightly touched on in the most surface way possible, but then it takes a back seat to be very predictable, very schmaltzy, very sentimental. And, so, and once again, this is two hours and six minutes. It's just a long time to be in that pit. Yeah, yeah. You're just hanging out for a long time. Where it's should this have just been an hour and a half Disney Channel movie? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. A good example of this, not to stick too much on the sentimentality of it, but um, Quaid and family get pushed out of their town uh, by kind of um, some very you know hick style. Um, you know, they they weren't into being proper. In, in church or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they get kicked out. And uh, yes, there is, uh, you know, uh, spiritualism in all of these films, but uh, that conflict of being pushed out of a home in poverty, yeah. three kids, a grandmother, a wife, you know, this is natural conflict that can keep our attention in the film. It self resolves so easy and so like. Oof. Uh, I mean, it's just like, okay, all right. I mean, I was kind of interested to see how our characters would be tested. And they just didn't play up on that at all. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's where it's disappointing. Quaid can be doing this character work all he wants. If it goes nowhere, if it's not tested in some way, what good is that character? You often describe it as um, you you needed that... Salt and pepper. Salt and pepper, Mm, exactly right, yeah. Absolutely. And that really goes into character writing itself. I'm not a writer myself, but in in character writing, you never want a character that is perfectly good or never want a character that is perfectly bad. Of course, yeah. There has to be shades, so... Where I would say this shifts to actually bad, though, is in the predictability of its story, and it really is in that true story function. Um, this functions as a biopic, certainly, but does so in the most predictable, uh, you know, played-out way possible. Um, it can wave that true story flag all at once, but the execution of a story is where the artistry is. I'll tell you what, Tom, this hits on every possible cliche like a landmine field. <laughs> <laughs> it is unavoidable. The, the script is just so thick and so dense. Characters barely feel real. Uh, Ricky must have every single biopic cliche thrown <laughs> at him, plus sprinkle in some Forrest Gump for good measure, to my dismay. I, I was going to bring it up. Seems very Forrest Gump, like a bad Forrest Gump. Uh, definitely a bad Forrest Gump. Right. And, uh, right. this is... The kid's got braces on his legs? Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? Comes good yeah. at baseball? I mean, come on. Right. Now, uh, very important, like you said yourself, if it's a true story, how is that going to play out? Right. Um, th- I'm telling you, uh, that true story, that's why sometimes the these biopics are referred to as Oscar bait or outright bad right. because nothing is done to vary it. Um, about halfway in the film, I, I it really clicked in me and I knew in my gut what this film reminded me of and it reminded me of Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys film. Uh, Whoa. I know. A Whoa. Little, a little out there. And also not a worthy film to maybe like have in your knowledge bank either. Like it's it's a it's a non- nothing film. Okay, all right. But both of these films are a perfect example of wow. how structuring it around a true story so rigidly, so familiar to how a biopic would play out, whether it be music, whether it be sports, honestly anything, a character of note, it actually strips 100% of the stakes away from the plot. Ricky has to go up against... 
a disapproving father, a strict father, poverty, I mean, like, serious poverty, scary poverty. It's in the 1975, to, it's in the 1970s, too. The metal braces, physical ailments, all of it feels like no stakes at all because we know how chipper and mm. how optimistic this is ending up and it is I, predictably knowing we are going towards the legend and the stakes that are even put in or the obstacles that are putting away of our characters are stripped away entirely. Yeah, I put I would put money down that the music was the most generic and <laughs> yeah. just didn't help it at all anyway. Oh, either. for sure, for sure. It's just like the dreamy type music, the swelling of the the swelling and everything. Right. Yeah, and in essence, I'll compare it to Field of Dreams. Not too different. Field of Dreams, same thing. It's just like, oh, everything's just going right. Right. But it but. tells such a unique and out there story. It's worthwhile. When it comes to this, we know Ricky's. I mean, it's right in the opening. The true story of the legend Ricky Hill. Yeah. And it's like, man. Uh, things not only are self-resolving, but when they're thrown, they don't even feel like real obstacles for Ricky. And that's where this true story it becomes a burden for the film. That sucks. That sucks. <laughs> I'm just picturing you sitting there alone. <laughs> I, was, I was sprawled hey. out. I, was, right. I, was... <laughs> I mean, yeah, and how much how much more is there really to say about a film like that then? It's a shame because just cookie cut. We haven't had a good baseball movie in a while. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, even to the point that the rookie switches things up and kind of has two halves to the story this is just like mm. i know and that came out 20 years ago i mean yeah. the writer for this film the reason why i thought this might have had some bite okay something low-key mm -hmm. that maybe it's like oh this is a sleeper good, right. good movie right uh the writer is the guy who did rudy and hoosiers oh, like okay. like two of the biggest sports movies there right. ever were. those are those are colossal sports movies. you know but uh cookie cutter i guess yeah i just feel uh, i don't know it's it just that that the story structure it it almost it, I'll give you a, a better comparison than mm -hmm. this Jersey Boys thing, which is like it also I, I love I love that comparison. Okay, good. good. I, not in a million, I would have lost that money right. big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It also has a thirty on the site, so like don't watch that Clint Eastwood Jersey Boys film. But <laughs> I'll compare it to like Walk Hard, uh, Dewey Cox story, where like the trope or the parody of these biopic movies, <laughs> the father yeah. hates them. You know, like oh, <laughs> it hits on every cliche possible. Yeah. It is a the landmine field is cleared of cliche because it hit everyone like you know, it's, it's too much so now cliche doesn't make a bad family movie uh, just how I said with the rookie and and kind of is the theme of these family baseball films if anything uh, I'll give some credit to this film on uh, over my comparison because it is really uh, inoffensive for so many audiences I don't think it's gonna be that's for really, sure yeah it's just but it's also kind of nothing for that reason right I feel it's spiritualism and religion are nowhere close to preachiness that we saw like I said earlier in mm. the year with something like nefarious it's just again religion and spiritualism it's connected to baseball I think that's my takeaway from this week even if it's not you know God per se baseball is a God for <laughs> you know for, it, for baseball fans it is and it's a very much this is this it's such a different unique sport yeah and i think that's why the, i think we have as far as movies are concerned sports movies mm -hmm. baseball probably takes the, the, as you would say the crown yeah on yeah. that i don't think we have as many basketball movies or, or yeah hockey, Tough to say. hockey movies or definitely True football movies. movies yeah but the thing is and that's because there's something about baseball that is uniquely has mm -hmm. the spiritual side to it yeah. there's something um that's good that you picked up on that it's yeah. a shame that you're also picking up that 
uh, if it's going to be a baseball movie, there's probably also not going to be too much baseball at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. For real. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in this kind of family objective of the film, uh, you know, it's it's the morality of these characters makes it a safe story and a wholesome story for really any audience type. Um, and that and that's where I want to kind of draw the line. Yes, it, it's quoting the Bible. Yes, it's kind of like this Southern Baptist type of feel, but it's never shoving it in your face. It's really just trying to tell how is Ricky raised and how mm. is he such a good person? You know what I mean? Sure, okay. Uh, so it's much more of a, the moral story of it. Uh, but as far as baseball... And a baseball film goes, which I'm a little bit of an expert on now. <laughs> uh, I'll say this: this barely shows the love for the game. Uh, I feel I- even in a way where with Field of Dreams, it was so loosely about baseball. <laughs> uh, it uh, it's it still the love was always directed towards the game and the timelessness and the players and like here it was like. Ricky's good at hitting a stick. Yeah, <laughs> like, <you know>. that's, <laughs> that's about it. Um, Ricky has the world against him, God on his side, and shoots a straight line to the end of the film. The way the film is crafted, Ricky's interests could have been, uh, honestly, in any sport, uh, despite, again, this true story aspect. And if there was anything I learned from the peer movies this week, baseball captures a different spirit in its game. And this film barely has any of it directed towards baseball itself. We're going to go ahead and give The Hill a 41. Ooh, 41. All right, got down there below the 50s. We were <laughs> yeah. doing okay before then. Well, uh, yeah, I think uh, even in this, you know, that 41, in no way does it slip below a 40 because, again, it's just so inoffensive. Yeah. You know? So Yeah. This but, is the but, real it, Disney. This is the hidden Disney this is, movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the, basically what you're saying is the movie you like the most, the, the baseball movie you like the most <laughs> is the movie that barely had any baseball in it. <laughs> I think it's very telling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to hate Major League. <laughs> um, uh, sadly, all right, I was hoping that maybe we'd have a little spark there, something kind of hidden. Yeah, honestly, hidden, I, did I, I, I did too. I like that what it did do, though. It's, it did spark this episode, which yes, is kind of cool. absolutely. Uh, and this was an exciting... No joke, an exciting episode. I hope people like it. I hope yeah. Like it. <laughs> and it's hot right now. Baseball is almost coming down to an end. It's almost playoffs and everything like that. News to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, Vin, looking at any of these scores, at these movies, anything um, you want to add, touch on, looking future in the weeks, or roll no, credits? I, I think that's good. Uh, we got uh, a busy September uh, with uh, a lot of action. Again, I feel like the... The arms race is between mm. action, blockbuster, and horror for 2023. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, that, so uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know who's gonna come out with the most quality. But, <laughs> <laughs> but looking forward to the weeks. And we also have, you know, we're three episodes away from our Hundy episode, and I think that we'll, um, I don't know, we might do something a little bit different or have be more conversational yeah. a little bit, have something special for the hundred too. So, folks, don't forget Hundy on the Hundy. But anyway, Vin, <laughs> thank you so much for watching these baseball movies. It was a lot of fun. We will see you next week. Folks at home, we're going to run it down one more time here. We have The Natural with a 61%, Bull Durham with a 64%, Field of Dreams with a 70%, The Rookie with a 56%, and finally The Hill with a 41%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings for Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com. 
where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you see from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks. But remember, we want to be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <laughs>